open up to Galatians chapter 5. We're looking at verses uh, 16 to 18 in Galatians chapter 5. And last Sunday, we began a review of the topic of transformation. You probably remember a few months ago, we did a whole week, uh, we did a whole eight-week series on transformation, and it really struck a chord with us as a church. Um, Through the series and through the transformation groups that we did alongside of it, God began to do a deep work of transformation in, in a number of us. And so it seemed to make sense to return to that focus here. And so we're going to do, or we've begun doing, four more weeks reviewing the four components of transformation that we looked at in that series. So first, identity, we looked at last week. That's the foundation for everything. Last Sunday, Gina Mueller reminded us whose family we belong to. We belong to God's family. We belong to Christ's family. And that means that We don't get to do exactly what the kids in other families may do because each family has different priorities and values and culture. And if we belong to God's family, then that's our identity. That's who we are. And it results in us living a certain way and hopefully becoming a certain type of people. And so, for example, as we as we hear all the news this past week about violence and and the tragedies of of the death of black people uh, at the hands of police, and the pain and the outrage uh, outrage and the violence and the looting that a few people did in response to that here and there throughout many peaceful protests. And so there was the ruin of businesses in various cities and the injury and death of both police and protesters. And we hear the war of words and all of the politics that go back and forth and the blaming and and the words about racism and about police and mob violence and who's at fault and who's justified. Well, guess what? We as God's people, we can't side, we can't identify with one political party or go along with one news commentator or one news outlet because that's not our family. That's not our identity. We're in God's family. We're in Jesus's family. And so while we care about all of these things, we care deeply about justice. We care deeply about those who are oppressed. As we think about those things and as we decide how to respond, we have to let our identity as God's people shape our views and our responses. As we seek peace in the world, as we seek shalom, as we seek justice, as we seek love and reconciliation. And that's a big complex topic. I know what that looks like. And so we do dive into politics to try to solve it, among other ways. But our identity is not with this party or that party or this news channel or that news channel. It's with the fact that we follow Jesus and we are his family. And so transformation begins with us knowing who we are and who we belong to, who we're loved by, who our people are. That's our identity. And today we're going to build on that as as now we look again at sensitivity. The way transformation happens in God's family is that we don't control it or pursue it or define it on our own terms, but rather we let God, the parent of the family, lead us. God sets the family culture and the family values. 
God gives us the vision of what we're to be like as a family and how we're to live as a family. God leads, we respond. And so to be transformed, we have to grow in our sensitivity to God's leadership and to God's communication to us. And the Apostle Paul puts that so well in today's text. Let me read it again. I'm going to read it from the newer NIV translation. I think it's a better, more accurate translation. Um, And so listen to how uh, these words, which were originally written in Greek, have have been translated here. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what's contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with one another, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Paul tells us here to walk by the Spirit or to be led by the Spirit. That's just another way of saying we're to let God lead us. Because we as God's people are a led people. And Paul contrasts being led by God's Spirit here with being led by the flesh. And and we'll unpack that in more detail later. But at its essence, what this contrast here means is that transformation doesn't happen by us gutting it out on our own or figuring out by ourselves. It doesn't happen by our smarts or by our insight or by our choices or by our willpower. That's all flesh stuff. That's all based on our self-reliance instead of trusting in God and being led by God and God's spirit. So how good are you at being led by God? And a question before we continue that I want us to think about. Do you find it easier to let God guide you in the big decisions and the huge matters of life? Or do you find it easier to be led by God in the smaller everyday things? And why is that for you? I'd actually like uh, to do again what we did two weeks ago and give you a chance with one another to chat about this for a few minutes in the breakout rooms that Zoom offers us. So again, what we're going to do is we're just going to, Zoom will randomly assign everyone to groups of three or four to discuss the question, do you find it easier for yourself to let God lead you in the big uh, life decisions of life, or do you find it easier to let God lead you in the everyday moments of life, and why? Uh, You're going to receive an invitation in just a second. There it is, to enter the breakout room. Again, if you'd really rather not, for some reason, you can decline the invitation and stay in the main service and just wait for um, for others to come back. The feedback we got uh, about these last time was that these discussions were, re- it was really positive feedback, although you said we didn't give you enough time. So we'll give you a little bit longer. And when you have one minute left, you'll get a, a message to wrap it up. And then you can return or you'll be returned to the main service. Again, the question is, As you think about letting God lead you, do you find it easier to follow God's guidance in the big life-changing decisions in life or in the small everyday matters and why? So here we go. You can accept the invitation and begin. I owe Phil an apology because I messed up my connection. I, I clicked the wrong thing. I'm sorry. 
Um, it's okay, Nancy. Don't worry about it. We're all <laughs> no biggie. <laughs> all right. Welcome back, everybody. Um, so as we pick back up, the question that we're thinking about is how is our sensitivity? You know, are we led people? Does God guide our life? Or are we more like the Frank Sinatra song, you know, the famous song, which is so New York, I did it my way, right? I planned every charted course, each careful step along the byway, and more, much more than this, I did it my way. Well, here's what I find in my own life when it comes to being led and when it comes to sensitivity, and, and that is that by nature, I'm someone who, who likes to um, figure everything out in my own mind. Uh, to use my brain, to be rational, to think it out clearly and logically. And so letting someone else lead me, letting God lead me, has been quite a learning curve. And so first I learned to trust God in the, the bigger decisions of life, where I had time and space to make the decision. And so I had time to think and to ponder and to seek counsel and to pray. Because here I could intentionally remember and choose Oh, I'm supposed to let God lead me. But what's been harder for me is learning to let God lead me in the smaller everyday moments of life, because here I, I can't be as intentional. Life comes at us fast, right? And so we revert to whatever our natural habit is. And my habit is, is to be relational about it, to, to think about it. And besides, I'm not the kind of person who usually hears audible voices from God. And so for a long time, I didn't think I heard God's voice at all. But, but then I began to realize that sometimes I'm reading the Bible and a certain verse will leap off the page or will really stick out to me. Or um, I'll read something in a book which will really strike me hard. It will convict me. It will inspire me. It will make me start asking questions. And then someone will bring the same topic up the next day in a conversation. And, and then I'll read a, a verse about it in the Bible the day after that, and it just happens to be on the same topic. And, and I'll realize, boy, I wonder if someone's trying to get a message through to me here, right? Has that ever happened to you? Or I'll get an intuition about something, about someone I should reach out to or, or something I should say to someone. And when I've followed through on it, the person has said, wow, that was really helpful. How did you know that I needed that right at this moment? And I think, hmm, maybe I should trust my intuitions more. But, it, but it's taking a long time um, for being led in these kind of ways to become a habit for me. It's still so easy when I'm busy, especially when I'm distracted, when my head is full of noise, to just revert to figuring things out on my own. And so I'm still learning to be led. I, I may have shared before, as I've been seeking to learn for a number of months, um, as I was trying to grow my sensitivity to God's leading, I made a daily discipline of asking God three questions when I got up each morning. First, God, what are you and I doing today? In other words, how can I partner with what you're doing? What do you have for me in the way of partnering with you? So God, what, what are you and I doing today? And then second, is, is there something I need to know that I don't already know? Is there something you need me to know today? And then third, is there someone I should reach out to who's not already on my to-do list to, to connect with today? And then I'd wait for any sense of, of an answer to these questions. And, and sometimes there would be, 
often there, there wouldn't be anything. But, um, but it was a practice to help me grow in being led. And, and here's what I've found. Some mornings, I actually resisted even asking the questions. I didn't want to. Because I was already, when I woke up, my head was spinning with everything that was on my to-do list for that day. And I didn't want God to add anything else. <laughs> in other words, to be really honest, I had my plan. I had my agenda. I had already stressed myself out about it. And I didn't want to be led. It's kind of like being behind the steering wheel of a car, right? And, and someone is, is telling you how to drive and, and you're like, backseat driver, you know? I don't need your help. I know what I'm doing here. I remember when um, I first, Anne and I first got married, she would occasionally offer me some suggestions about how to get places. And, and I told her, Anne, you know, I got places before I knew you. Of course, while I'm saying this, I, I'm looking for a place to turn around because I've missed my exit again, <laughs> driven right past it. So, so anyway, when it comes to being led by God and being sensitive to God's leading, I'm still learning how. I'm still learning how to hear. I'm still growing in wanting to hear and in being willing to be led. Well, here's the good news for you and for me. For those of us who want to get better at being led, who want to be more sensitive to God's leading, but we aren't sure we're very good at it yet, here's the good news. God wants to lead us more than we do. God wants to lead us. God wants to make this work. God wants to teach us how to hear his voice. God wants to lead his people. And this has always been the case. I mean, go right back to the beginning, Adam and Eve in the garden. God walked in the garden with them. God spoke with them. We are a led people. Or take Noah. God warned Noah that the flood was coming. God told Noah how he could save his family and, and the animals, a representation of God's whole creation. We are a led people. And then Abraham and Sarah God made amazing promises to them and led them out of their, their pagan life and worship into a new life in a new land. God guided them along the way. God reassured them. God corrected them, tested them, made more promises to them. We are a led people. And then Moses. God spoke to Moses from a burning bush. God coached Moses through all the stress and danger of dealing with Pharaoh God led Moses and the people out of Egypt, guiding them each step of the way and continued to lead them through the desert and eventually into the promised land. Psalm 78 puts it so well, verses 12 to 14. God did miracles in the sight of their ancestors in the land of Egypt, in the region of Zoan. He divided the sea and led them through. He made the water stand up like a wall. He guided them with a cloud by day and with the light from the fire all night. He guided them with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. What an image of being led. We are a led people. I could go on about Joshua and Gideon and David and Elijah and Jeremiah, not to mention Jesus leading his disciples. I mean, Jesus told us to go into all the nations and do what? Make disciples, right? And, and what does it mean to be a disciple? 
It means to be a follower. It means to be led. Jesus is the shepherd. We are the sheep who follow, right? He is the Lord. We are his disciples, his followers. If we aren't being led, we aren't a disciple. You may have heard the saying, you you can't learn to be a leader until you learn to be a follower first, right? It's true. And even more so, you can't learn to be a disciple until you learn to be a follower first. We are a led people. So how are you at being led? How am I at being led? How sensitive are we to the voice, to the guidance of our Lord? That's what Paul's getting at in today's passage. So let's dive in now to this short little passage. Paul here makes two simple contrasts between being led by God on the one hand, walking by the Spirit, and on the other hand, a couple other ways that we could live. And both of these other ways that he contrasts with walking by the Spirit, these two other ways involve doing it my way instead of God leading us. Both involve us taking the wheel and being in charge. One way is by following the law, surprisingly. Verse 18, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Hear the contrast? Led by the Spirit, not under law. Now, if you know the book of Galatians, you know in earlier chapters, Paul spent a lot of time drawing out this contrast between the way of faith, the way of the Spirit, and the way of the law. And Paul's referring back now just briefly to this contrast that he's already expanded on earlier. And then second uh, contrast, in verses 14 to 16, we've got the contrast between the flesh and the Spirit. Paul elaborates on this one more in our verses. Again, he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what's contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what's contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. Paul contrasts the life of the Spirit, the life of faith, walking with God, being led, with living according to the flesh. And for Paul, surprisingly, both flesh and law are on the same side of the equation. Both are opposed to the spirit. Why? Because both flesh and law involve relying on our own strength rather than being led. Using our own smarts, relying on our own willpower to do the right thing, living life my way. Let me tell you my experience, um, what it's been with both the law and the flesh. Two different but related ways of living, neither of which involves being led by God. So first, law. I grew up definitely with more of a law approach to life. And and here's how it works. You, You read the Bible. You learn what God wants, what all of God's commands are. And at least to that extent, you're being led. Because, because then you try to follow them. But the way you do it is when you face a situation, you think, what law, what rule applies to this situation? And then you do it. You obey that rule. And if no obvious rule applies, if you can't think of one, then you need to think about it harder, or you need to study your Bible more, or you need to go back to your pastor, and you need to find out what you should do, what rule applies. 
And, and this whole exercise is very rational. And it's the way I learned to be a Christian, to think it through, to figure it out. And, and guess what? In, in this rational approach, there is no relationship with God required. Relationship with God is purely optional. Just all that's required is a commitment to think about what the Bible says, to apply it to your situation, and then to do it. Now contrast that with walking by the Spirit and being a led person. It's kind of like the difference between an old iPod and a new smartphone. The old iPod, you, you hooked it up to your computer with a cable, and you loaded the content you wanted on it, and then off you went about your day, and all the iPod could do was process and play the content you loaded. It had no living connection with the source. Compare that with a smartphone, which is constantly in contact with the source, constantly sending queries, getting new content, getting fresh instructions. The problem with the law approach, the rational think it out approach, is that no relationship with God is necessary. And, and so we can get proud of, of how much we know and, and how hard we try to follow the rules. And it turns out some of us uh, rational people, we're not being led by God at all. God, just give me the instructions in black and white, and I'm good. I'll figure out the rest, thank you very much. I'll drive I'll find the destination. I'll get there. I don't need you in the car. Just give me the written directions and I'll be good. Bye. Well, that doesn't lead to transformation. Which is why Paul says, walk by the Spirit. Let yourself be led. Now, hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we shouldn't read God's Word. We definitely need to read it more. I'm not saying we shouldn't think about it. We need to use our minds. I have a doctorate after all. We, did, we need to figure out how it applies. We need to think about our faith. We absolutely should do all of those things. We should use the brain God has given us and dig deep into God's word. I'm just saying that that by itself isn't nearly enough. We can think our very best, most true and accurate thoughts about God and about his word and not really be led by God at all. Just look at the Pharisees, the teachers of the law that Jesus had to deal with. But we are not like that. We are not in that family. We are to be a led people. Well, then Paul contrasts being led by the spirit with a second approach, a related approach, the flesh approach. This one has to do with, with willpower, with, um, with trying hard in our own effort to do the right thing. That's, that's part of what flesh means in the Bible. When you hear flesh, don't just think about your bodily appetites. The Bible means something bigger. In the Bible, flesh, it's opposed to spirit because spirit is about God's presence and God's power and God's strength, while flesh is about our efforts and our strength and when we fail, flesh is about our weakness and our failure. That's why pa Paul categorizes flesh with law. Because flesh, like law, is about doing it ourselves in our own strength. And of course, there are a few problems with flesh. For one thing, if we're relying on ourselves and we're relying on our own willpower, then we're not trusting God. 
We don't need God. So there, there isn't the sort of relationship that God wants to have with us if we're just relying on the flesh. Second, our flesh is weak. And so too often when we rely on the flesh, we fail. And related to this third, our flesh doesn't always desire what God wants. And that particularly is what Paul picks up on in this passage. The flesh is opposed to the spirit. The, the spirit is opposed, opposed to the flesh. The flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what's contrary to the flesh. They're at war with one another, right? So how can you expect to muscle up your willpower to do the right thing and please God when part of you doesn't even want to please God? And so Paul says, stop trying to do it in your own strength, through your own self-effort. You need to be led. Get out of the driver's seat completely and let God drive. Let God lead. Be led by God's spirit, by his wisdom, by his power. That's the way to really be transformed. On the inside, on your character, in your heart, as well as then flowing out into your behaviors. You need to become a new person. And this requires the spirit and it requires our sensitivity so that we're led by the spirit. Being attentive and attuned to the promptings, to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the teaching of the Holy Spirit. As God changes you one step at a time, one character issue at a time, God brings up and works you through it. One piece of your heart at a time, as God says, we're going to work on this right now. Let's go after it. God knows what he's doing with you. Let him lead you. He has a plan for your transformation. So just in conclusion, the million-dollar question, how? How do we walk in the Spirit? How do we let God lead? It's not like we don't use our brain. It's not like we don't read God's Word and think hard about it. We're not Jedi who just need to let go of our minds and search our feelings. And it's not like we don't have to make choices along the way or exert willpower or or exercise self-discipline. We do have to do all of that. It's just that doing these things isn't enough. And we can't place our trust in ourselves and our ability to do them. We need to let God direct and lead us. And for those of you in transformation groups or, or in huddles, that's what we're doing in those groups, right? We're, we're trying to learn to slow down and to pay attention to the way God is getting our attention. We call it a, a kairos moment in those groups, a, a moment where God is breaking in, tapping us on the shoulder, trying to get our attention. And then we, we're seeking to trust God enough to respond and change and grow based on what God's doing. In other words, we're seeking to be led. That's the path to transformation. And I find maybe because I'm not so good at this, that it also helps to have simple, practical habits to help me grow in being led. Like the one I mentioned earlier, where for a while, every morning, I was asking God those three simple questions. And then I was trying to notice what God's answers were. So let me give you just one simple practice this week to take a step in in being led and practicing sensitivity. It's actually this week's new mission challenge. If you checked your email yesterday, you probably saw it. Here it is. 
think about someone you have been reaching out to who seems to be open to you and open to Jesus. And then simply ask God, what's next? What's next? What is my next step in reaching out to this person and building a relationship with them? Just ask God what's next and see if an idea comes to mind. If you get um, an inspiration, if God puts something on your heart and then do it. Transformation happens step by little step as we learn to let God lead and to walk in the way that he shows us. Let's sing about that now as we respond step by step.